When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So after yet another horror show for the majority, we're back as a new international snooze fest dawns. It's actually a bit of a welcome break in truth after trudging through yet more mediocrity in the game week just gone. But to pick over that and to talk about perhaps why it's so hard this season, I'm joined today by two. First, it's Nick. Uh, just about, it sounds like. Uh, you're right, mate. How's things? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. I feel like this is sort of becoming the usual section of the pod where I have a moan about how busy my life is. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I feel a bit sleep deprived, unfortunately, because Moses got chicken pox and he's been uh, screaming the house down the last couple of nights and uh, he's making a little bit of noise at the moment, just in case anyone can, anyone picks it up and in case I uh, have to disappear mid pods and then you, you only get half a record out of me. Hopefully I can make it through the entire pod. Uh, but yeah, I'm also out of beer as well, which is not great <laughs> hopefully um it all goes okay anyway i think i'm contractually obliged to say that we are who got the assist find us on twitter at wgta underscore fpo at wgta underscore nick and you can follow us there and you can find us on all the podcast repositories as well so um yeah we've got a guest on today um rounding up a sort of brace of guests from down under we're joined again yet again very early in the morning by our good friend Alex Ball and you can follow him on Twitter at Alex Water Baby. Um, Alex great to have you on the pod um, if you don't mind just introducing yourself to the good people. Morning fellas how's it going? Yeah, great to be back it's been a uh, it's been a little while. My name's Alex I'm a little bit of an FBL-aholic. Chat to you fellas more often than not on uh, one platform or other and uh, around Twitter as well. So I've been playing for about Oh, since 0708 on my my official FPL account informs me. So um, so a good 12, 13 years of, of playing FPL, and I was I was doing it before that as well. Yeah, I've just uh, delved a little bit more into a few podcasts here and there with with you fine fellas, and a few articles with a few other things. And yeah, just just enjoy kicking around. I just wish I'd been a bit more successful at it uh, of late <laughs> because it's proven to be bloody hard to do for someone that spends so much time doing it. But uh, no, great to be back and, uh, and looking forward to doing the pod with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's what this pod's going to be talking about. So you have plenty of time to vent your spleen, Alex, on this one. Welcome then again, mate. Uh, great to have you on again. So, so on this week's pod, we're going to have a look over the first kind of eight games and ask simply why. As Alex said, why is it so bloody hard this year? Uh, then we, of course, move on to the features and take some questions. Uh, thanks very much for those. Yeah, thanks for the questions, guys. So um, shall we start then with the game week reviews? So Alex, um, as the guest... How did your game week go? How's your season going? Um, what happened? Meh and meh, I think it's fair to say. So my 
Game week was 39, so a slight green arrow, a slight green arrow, so it should never be sniffed at. But yeah, it's been one of those seasons where I'm sort of kicking around the two million. I think I had a, I had a good game week a few weeks ago and that jumped me about, I don't know, about a million and a half places so that um, by game week eight, I'm nuts. now sat at 940,000k in the world with uh, with my wild card gone and that being my highest rank of the season. So uh, so there's been some small small positives, but yeah, it's it's gaining much traction that uh, that I'm like a lot of others are battling with. Um, I, I have seen a few people that are doing quite well this season, which is which is awesome. I happen to be doing a little bit of a scout through other sort of high profile players and happened to look at Jay Eggersdorf's the other day and noticed that that man had um, Terore in and, and was now up to sort of, I think, well, well, well in the 100,000. So there are some people that are, are managing to do it. But yeah, it seems to be whatever I, I touch player-wise turns to mediocrity and, and therefore it's making it quite hard to, uh, to gain much traction. So um, yeah, 39 and Pope returning, Abraham returning, Lundstrom with five. Yeah, that's it. Everything else is ones, twos, threes. So how about, how about you, Nick? How, uh, how was your week? Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't too bad, actually. Um, all things considered, I mean, the, the score looks pretty mediocre, but it was a green arrow, at least. I got I got 43 points in, in total this game week. Uh, all things considered, I wasn't particularly happy, but, you know, it's always nice to see that green arrow again in terms of the overall season. I'm, you know, my rank looks pretty rubbish to be honest I'm about 400k but like looking at a lot of the mini leagues it actually, it's actually um quite high compared to like other people and other you know top players that are sort of also struggling this season so it feels like it's very much a theme that you know a lot of informed managers trying the best to to sort of work with this season and struggling a little bit which is sort of our theme uh, for this pod as well but I've also um, I've also wild carded actually so we'll talk Ooh. about that a little bit later but in terms of the game week, uh, yeah, 43 points. I've got some points on like the likes of Mount and Abraham and um, Henderson and Gold. And also um, I took a punt. Um, it was like a one-week punt, so I was planned on wildcarding. I took a cheeky punt on Nicholas Pepe for um, Kevin De Bruyne. I thought, you know what, we talked a lot about differentials last um, game week, and I thought my team was so 10-player. I had like nine players out of the top 10 most owned or something ridiculous like that. I thought, you're right, it's time to try and shake things up, see if I can get some some guy in that might get some sort of differential points. And and Pepe was the man that I chose with only 3.3% ownership. And he picked up six points, got a cheeky assist, didn't get the brace, but, you know, at least there's some extra points this game week and points were hard to find. What about yourself, Tom? Yeah, it was an ending fitting for the start for my wildcard kind of couple of weeks unfortunately it was 42 points for me so one beneath you Nick uh yeah yeah again kind of failures across the board I think Firmino didn't again I mean he could have got two goals in that game and definitely could have gotten the system on Alden Mount and Abraham were the two kind of high points as well as Lundstram and Pope but kind of the killer stat from this week really is that if I'd have fielded my backup keeper McGovern and fielded Martin Kelly over fielding Trent Alexander-Arnold and Nick Pope I'd be six points better off right now so it's just how kind of crazy random it is right now that kind of if I'd have done something like that and I'd be looking better but you know you don't look back into the sun let's uh, let's move on I think and uh, 
this week it's all about kind of how things are going because it, it has been a very, very difficult season. Like, I, I guess we kind of initially subtitled this pod, WTF is going on. Um, but of course, there's lots of people who are doing very, very well indeed. And, and well done if you are doing very, very well. And um, yeah, you've done amazingly in a, in a quite a difficult season. So I guess the best way of putting what we're talking about today is why is it so unpredictable? And, and what's been kind of the root cause of it? And we've had a little look and, um, and I think we're going to examine kind of three reasons why this may be. Um, the first is that we're going to ask the question, are the premiums just not performing? The second is kind of thinking, well, if the premiums are performing, has it been about captain fails? Has it been about shot results? And finally, we're going to kind of revisit bigger the back a little bit just to kind of see, well, is that still kind of a cause that has made it so difficult to call this year? I guess the start of the premiums not performing. I kind of initially, I don't know about you guys, but I initially thought it might be this. Like I initially thought, well, the premiums must be just not really doing the job. If this week, for example, we're looking at Tammy Abraham and uh, Callum Wilson as captaincy candidates. So, so I look at uh, the last couple of seasons data versus this season uh, up to game week eight and found the following. Uh, premiums are actually doing better this season than in previous years. I'm defining premiums as 10 million or over. So in 2017-18, Ericsson was top at this point with 56 points. Below him was actually Valencia. Man United kept lots of cleaners that year, if you remember. And uh, Kun Aguero and Kaki made up the top four. And there were six premium players in top 20, averaging 49 points that year. Um, next year, um, Hazard was top by miles at this point, 74, along Alonso was second part of the RAM, um, and there were six premium players in the top 20 that year, um, averaging 51 points. So kind of, you know, 49, 51. How has that progressed to this year? Actually, this season, all five of the top players at the moment are premium players. That's uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Sergio Aguero, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, and Aubameyang. There are seven premium players in the top 20, averaging 55 points. Um, so the idea, perhaps, that the premiums aren't performing is a bit of a bust. I mean, what do you guys think about the premiums? What's been the problem with them? Because at the moment, given how difficult it's been for a lot of people, surely there's an element of unpredictability or something like that with them. I feel like, in, especially in the um, the last few weeks, I don't feel like... They did have a really good start, you know, at the beginning of the season, like so Sterling and Mo Salah, you know, having really good opening game week ones. If everyone remembers, we all kind of finished with about 70 to 80 even. We saw some triple-figure scores after that first game week and everyone was sort of riding high thinking this was going to be the theme of the season. But in the last few game weeks, I mean, it hasn't felt like it's been a time for heroes at all. You know, these guys have struggled a little bit. For instance, Raheem Sterling's only got the one one goal, the one return in the last five games. Mo Salah's also um, struggled a little bit. I mean, he's only had uh, one goal and one assist in the last five games. So it's been a it's been a quiet patch for these two guys who are sort of the staples really of our sort of setups for a lot of us. I know obviously some people might have Sadio Mane, and some people might have Kun Aguero, but even Kun Aguero's um, been subject to rotation in the last couple of game weeks and they also blanked against Wolves. So, you know, he's struggling a little bit in the last couple as well. So it feels like a lot of confidence has been lost in terms of these most recent performances especially um, after seeing Manchester City blank um, against Wolves a lot of people sort of very disappointed to see that Kevin De Bruyne who's been sort of perhaps the standout star of the season having an injury as well was has knocked a few people for six this um, this game week so I feel like um, that is a little bit a little bit of a concern obviously for all of us and uh, especially for um, the likes of myself, think about what I'm doing on my wild card. I have actually got rid of Mo Salah. He's got a bit of a knock anyway, but this is actually the, uh, the first time since he's joined Liverpool that I've properly removed him from my team. So uh, it's a bit of a surprise perhaps to the listeners who have always known me to, to own Mo Salah. But um, I've, I've done the switch to uh, Sadio Mane. 
uh, for now. So, you know, I'm still keeping an expensive Liverpool attacker. But it feels like Mo seems to be on the way out. With Sterling, I mean, I looked at the underlying stats, to be honest. And, you know, as you said, from the points, they are actually doing very well, these players, in terms of the overall points. And, you know, it has been a really good season for the premiums. And uh, so far, in terms of the underlying stats, Sterling's still right up there in terms of the underlying stats for midfielders, alongside Mo Salah. I mean, Sterling's top for goals out of midfielders, second for penalty box touches, top for big chances and joint top for shots on target. And with Palace, Villa, Southampton, I feel like, you know, a lot of us have also captained him about four game weeks in a row or something ridiculous. And uh, I feel like, you know, we try and keep the faith with these guys. They, we know that they're top performers. It's been a bit of a blip, a bit of a dodgy patch. So I think it seems like a dodgy period for the premium, but I feel like it's definitely going to come back their way. I think the interesting thing this season is that, you know, as you you fellas have both pointed out. I mean, the leading players in all categories, bar maybe goalkeepers, are premium players. So Pereira, 6.1, Alexandrana, 7.2, De Bruyne, who's all right, maybe at 10 million or even at 9.5, was um, criminally undervalued. But then Mane, Salah, Sterling, um, then bargain of the season potentially mount. And then into, into forwards, Aguero, 12.2, Aubameyang, 11 million. Then again, another really good budget option of uh, Abraham at 7.7. I think the thing that we're finding difficult is there are and we we picked this at the start of the season as well but there are budget options that are coming available so Chelsea for example have proved that they are going to be an attacking team with players that are playing like premiums or at the minute it looks like that but at at prices that are way lower Um, Sheffield United in the in King Lundstrom himself you know has proven a a 4.0 bargain that we knew is going to be there Um, but I also think we've we've got to remain patient with these players. You know, every season we see blips, you know, where um, the premium players go off the boil. It seems that right now we're just going through a patch where those premium players are actually um, are actually all just slightly going off the boil at the time when maybe De Bruyne is also injured. Um, Salah's form's dropped a little bit. Sterling is, like you just pointed out, Nick, his stats still suggest that he's getting in the right places and, and shooting a lot the same with Aguero. And I think come the end of the season, those players are still going to be there or thereabouts, you know, injury dependent. I think the other thing that's quite interesting is probably teams that we maybe perceived were going to be relatively easy to, to beat and to, to score against are actually turning out to be quite defensively solid. So the likes of Sheffield United, the likes of Crystal Palace. Yeah, in seasons gone, we'd be looking at Manchester City versus Crystal Palace and going, regardless of form, City are going to score goals there. You're still going to bet on the fact that City are going to go to Palace and score goals. But looking at the dis- defensive stats for Crystal Palace, they're actually doing okay. You know, much like Sheffield United, we we flagged it a few weeks ago when... Liverpool went there. We didn't think it was going to be a high-scoring game, whereas probably three, four weeks before that, you know, we would have been going, yep, Sheffield United, Salah, captain, easy. Whereas actually it was quite a difficult decision and, you know, it proved to be the correct call. So I think come the end of the season, these premiums will still be there or thereabouts. The other issue we've got, and maybe it is just a little bit of a, a case of the perfect storm, is teams like Tottenham, you know, there's obviously a lot of issues going on behind the scene that that's causing the likes of Sun and Kane Whereas normally they would be quite reliable options and, you know, having really nice fixtures like, you know, away to Brighton, for example, because of the issues that are going on there. Again, that's taking maybe the Spurs assets out of being potential options, even with, you know, what could be a plum tie at home to Watford straight after the international break. I think, you know, 
I'd be surprised if Nick or, or others on wildcard have actually got any Spurs players in their team. Whereas if things were going quite well, you would expect them to be taking at least a one-week punt on on a Sun or a Kane with a view to maybe moving on off after that. But I don't think that's going to happen. So I think it's a case that we do need to be patient. I do think that with the, maybe the, the Liverpool assets, you know, maybe Mane is proving to be the better one this season. Um, you, you look at Salah and there was quite an interesting article in The Athletic this morning about how he is starting to just develop into a slightly more all-rounded player and that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, just the way he is actually playing. It doesn't mean that he's necessarily playing worse. Maybe it's just not quite as good for FPL. But my feel is that we've got to be patient with these premium players and, and they will come good eventually. It's just picking the right ones at the right time that's proven particularly difficult. And I think one of the next points we were going to go on to was captains, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, exactly. It was. It's basically linked to kind of captaincy fails and, and shock results that we're going to speak about in a second. I just want to say on this that I, I understand where you come from. It's like it's definitely a case of being patient to some extent. And the issue is, I suppose, is that I can completely understand why that with that array of kind of blanks for for, for kind of the, the favoured captain, I suppose we've seen an erosion of trust in the premium assets, aren't we? And I think it comes to something that this week we're looking at. Tammy Abraham versus maybe Callum Wilson being the kind of the two captaincy sort of candidates, like mid-price strikers um, over players from premium sort of clubs. I mean, admittedly, Liverpool have got Man United. It'd be nice to have no great shakes. And also, you know, City have got Crystal Palace. And if they were on form, I think there'd be no question that most people would be looking at Sterling or Aguero as being their captain pick. But, you know, as it stands with City losing that Wolves game, it's definitely shaking some faith. But, you know, maybe it could be that the canny pick, I mean, looking at Man City's data, they're still top across so many measures, like literally all of the measures pretty much, like in terms of expected goals, expected assists, like shots in the box for, for their whole team. One we're not doing very well in, normally they do pretty well in this, is expected goals conceded. They're actually um, out of the top five in that. They're, they've got a higher expected goals conceded than the likes of Man United. Um, but yeah, the uh, the idea of captain fails and maybe linked to the shock results that like Nick mentioned, the City Banks and the Wolves game, um, is probably another thing that may be kind of part of our diagnosis of what's gone wrong this year, I think, because it's definitely very, very difficult. Like, I, I looked at my uh, captaincy sort of result on premium fantasy tools not very long ago, and it really is an anthem for Doom Juice in that like, I've hit half of my captains the rest of the time. It has blanks, like you know, game week two, Salah uh, against Southampton, complete blank. Sterling against Brighton, Sterling in, in the last game. There's so many of these kind of going around at the moment, and it's like I looked at like basically my other captains, so the guy I would have captained, and every time this year, like for example, in game week one, I captained Salah, who got 12 points, Sterling hit a hat-trick. Game week three, uh, Sterling, I captained him against Bournemouth, he got one goal, Salah got a brace against Arsenal. We saw City lose to Norwich uh, in game week five, and we also saw this week that kind of 2-0 to Wolves, and I think that, that that pushes down the captaincy points, and I think that also has like a knock-on effect in terms of a lot of people's ranks. So if you're going with the perceived safe captain, I suppose... Um, that might be what's what's going wrong in, in some ways. And uh, Nick, you've said the last couple of weeks, oh, I keep getting my um, Sterling and Salah's picks wrong uh, with the captaincy. Like, how much of an impact do you think that's had on your season so far? I think it's had a huge impact. I think, obviously, like looking at sort of Sterling and Salah's scores overall, they're pretty similar in terms of what they've actually scored. I mean, Sterling's 48 now, Salah 55. But every week I've been picking the wrong one, like you have as well, Tom. You know, it's the same fixtures. It's like game week one, game week two, three, four. It's like looking at my team, like 
every week Salah outscored Sterling when I captained uh, Sterling and uh, when I captained Salah Sterling did the business it's just I can't seem to get the decision right and I think that's perhaps part of the um, the reason that we're getting a little bit of premium frustration as well like the fact that you know these these guys are impossible to pick I think this is the first time that um, they, they scored the same actually this week so it's the first time that I could have picked either and it wouldn't have mattered but every other game week it's been the wrong choice and uh, yeah I think um, Captain Fails is a um you know, is a huge impact in terms of people um, struggling really to, to gain the momentum and, and get their get their season going. I think definitely. This is going to sound really silly, and I apologise because I'm coming on a podcast and that's that's an opening statement around a question you've asked. But I'm not actually that concerned about it, and I think the reason for that is every week. Like I'm just literally scrolling back through my my game weeks now, and I'm looking at the captain I've picked and the fixture that they had, and I look at it now and go, well, I wouldn't have done anything differently. I'm going on the fact that the logic for picking that player was correct. And on a different day, that player would have scored or got an assist. And I'd have been happy as a, as a, a captainer of that particular player. So does it worry me that we're thinking about captaining Tammy Abraham or Callum Wilson this week over the City assets and the Liverpool assets? Not really, because I think it's the scenario that we're going into where we're looking at the fact that this week, the premium teams have got actually, with maybe the form that they're in, maybe the more trickier fixtures than, say, Chelsea or Bournemouth have. If it means that this week I have to have expensive players sat in my team that I'm, I'm not going to captain because I think Abraham or Wilson are a better option, so be it. I think, I think that's an absolutely fine call because I think we've got to look at the fact that right now with issues that are going on... Oh, sorry, I've, got, I've lost my flow. There's like kids kicking off, dogs barking, <laughs> kid, the kids stomping. <laughs> it's like literally, I think they're all literally outside the door at the minute. Um, <laughs> it's going crazy just like Commenting on the, the quality of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dogs are like, This is... This, this is a, they've rung you in new zealand to do this surely they could have got someone local um where were we at i think you're uh, having to captain tammy over a premium player and you weren't worried um, about that so yeah in in summary like i'm i think it's absolutely fine to go with i mean we know that chelsea like looking at the expected goals um for teams chelsea are third and they're going into an absolutely superb fixture at home to Newcastle, albeit that I think Newcastle uh, can be a defensively solid team when they, when they want to be. But I would have no problem if people, someone turned around to me and said they were captaining Tammy Abraham this week. I, I think he is proving himself to be a premium asset at a budget price, you know, much like Mason Mount. So if Tammy Abraham was 10, 11 million, would we be worried about the fact that we were going to put the captain on him over Raheem Sterling or Mohamed Salah? I don't think we would be as bothered. So maybe part of it is a psychological thing with the price. So I think, again, it sort of comes back to my initial point that we, we've, we've picked these players with valid reasons based on data, based on eye tests, based on you know, re- research around what, who the best pick is. And I think we've just got to stick with it for now. Come back to me in two weeks if, if everything's going terribly and I've now plummeted back down to like three, four million and I'll be like, no, that was the worst advice ever. Sell them all, buy different players. But right now, I'm cool with that. Yeah, no, that, that certainly makes sense. I think it has been one of those sort of, sort of times, hasn't it, where I guess patience as, as an idea has been a little bit exploded, hasn't it? Because it, it seems like kind of flitting around between a, a, an array of players has been probably 
a beneficial thing. Like if you look at Kun Aguero versus Raheem Sterling this season, Aguero is second for points scored overall and Raheem's down in ninth. And you've got to be thinking, well, all right, if I'd have made that Kun Aguero switch for that Brighton game, things would be so different almost. Like uh, I, I think that, yeah, there's definitely a case for patience though. And like with Man City, yeah, okay, that away game against Crystal Palace is perhaps not particularly appetizing, but you know, Aston Villa in game week 10 and then Southampton game week 11, like those are two games where really they're the standout fixture aren't they and you're going to be capturing a city asset I think some of it's actually been tempered by just short termism almost in terms of saying that the premium assets are, are having a tough time because I mean Liverpool as we know have got three of the next four are quite tough United the way well debatable whether that's tough uh, Spurs at home and then uh, Man City at home in game week 12 so that's actually pretty difficult City have got Crystal Palace and obviously they've uh, faltered a little bit recently but I guess you know, as soon as that kind of game week 10 comes round and you've got kind of City at home versus Villa thing going on, it's, we're going to go back to default, aren't we? I, I'm not too worried, but, you know, Aubameyang game week 10 at home against Crystal Palace, maybe one who comes into contention. Um, I guess the fun thing on this is, is big at the back. We have spoken about it a lot. We spoke about it in game week six as well in terms of the podcast then. We get questions about this every week. So for this week, for example, Ola to FPL Lens Gabriel, um, who asked if preseason maxims such as big at the back should be revisited. And of course they should be, because that was kind of the point of looking at value and looking at things like... Uh, you know, um, how you can make uh, maximize the points potential of your team. And bigger that was something we settled on looking at that data, but obviously you need to be critical of that sort of thing. And it is really interesting because back, I think it was game week six, I think Nick it was, where we looked at it. Um, there was one defender in the top 20 who was Yannick Vestergaard. Now in game week eight, there's actually three defenders in the top 20. Um, Patrick Van Anholt in 20th. He's joint with McGinn actually on 39. And then one point more, it's Pereira and TAA who are joint 18th from 40. Previously, in this sort of uh, time period, in 2018-19, there were five defenders in the top 20. That was Alonso, second of 60. Um, he'd be third overall this year with that. And then uh, Robbo and Doherty, 49, uh, joint fifth. And then Trippier um, and Carl Walker in 11th and 13th. And then 2017-18, similar story. So six defenders in the top 20. Valencia in second, and Davis in ninth. And Phil Jones in 10th, the forgotten man. And then Stephen Ward in 19th. Wardinho, remember him? And uh, Monreal and Trippier um, were joint 20th and 42. So there's been a bit of a depreciation, I suppose, in defenders in the top 20. And that's kind of perhaps what we've been seeing with Big at the Back. But I mean, Nick, as the main proponent of Big at the Back, do you think that Big at the Back has been perhaps culpable for some of the, uh, some of the difficult issues? So I think it's been a bit unfortunate again and obviously big at the back mainly revolved around those Liverpool and those Manchester City assets and as I kind of you know I talked about it a fair bit on the other pods I'm not going to kind of go on about it too much again this pod but obviously there's been the injuries in the Manchester City defence and uh, with the Liverpool goalkeeper but there's also been a fair amount of luck so interestingly um, there's only a handful of teams that have kept three clean sheets so far this season Um there's Crystal Palace, Brighton, Burnley, Sheffield United, Newcastle and Wolves. They're not really the teams that you would have expected to have kept three clean sheets at this moment in time. There's one other team, actually, which is Manchester City, but not a single one of their defenders has been around for those three clean sheets. So it's been very much spread amongst the entire defence. Laporte was around at the beginning, but now he's injured. Now you've got Otamendi, who I know you have in your team, Tom, but you don't really rate him as an FPO asset, um, as a player even. You rate him as an FPO asset, maybe, but not 
lost as a player. No, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, it's awful. London. Yeah, it, it's, it's been one of those seasons when you say, okay, oh, yes, yeah, our team's keeping clean sheets, but it's, it's, it's Sheffield United. You know, you've got um, we have the boys looking at Johnny, aren't we, with John Lundstrom picking up all these points. It's not the likely lads that we would have um, expected at this moment in time. You know, the Newcastle assets getting clean sheets, the Burnley ones, the Brighton ones, it's, it's a bit of a surprise. Whilst Liverpool have only had two and... They've been really unfortunate. Us, I mean, us guys that doubled up on Liverpool defence, even those guys that tripled up, because um, they have conceded less goals than any other team. They've only conceded six goals, which is the best in terms of all the teams in the Premier League. Of, of the eight fixtures, six of them, they've only conceded one goal. Two, they've just managed a clean sheet. So it's a bit, it's really frustrating, to be honest, to see that sort of level of performance, you know, the, the odd Adrian Howler every game. But I feel like there is one man, even though I'm, in my wild card, I am actually shifting out of the big of the back, unfortunately, which means all the clean sheets are now going to come for Liverpool. But there's one man that's definitely staying. That's Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think I'm very much a proponent of TAA. I think he's still got to be a key guy for the rest of the season. Just, I mean, just looking at his stats in terms of chances created, he's um, created 28 chances, which is twice as many as any other forward in the game, which is just a ridiculous stat. Deu Lefeu has actually created the most chances of all forwards with a 14. And it's actually one less than KDB as well, but far more than any other midfielder. So I think with TAA, he's got to stay in the team. He, he's got to be essential. And those clean sheets will come for Liverpool. They have the best defence in the league still, I think. And as you can see, they conceded the least goals. It's just unfortunate they've only had two clean sheets. But the um, the other guys, unfortunately, have gone. Van Dijk and Dean have, have disinvested and uh, put a bit more money up front. But we'll talk about that later. But what, what do you think about big at the back then, Alex? Was this something that you were looking at in the pre-season? Something you considered for your team? I was well and truly on board with it as well. I went big at the back. I, I wildcarded early, which, which moved a little bit of fans out. But I still got... Dinia, Alexander-Arnold and Van Dijk in there. And I think I, you've, you've summed it up. I think, you know, you look at the injuries to um, Laporte and Alisson and I think that's been, a, you know, th- those were from a, from a clean sheet point of view from those two clubs, key to the fact that they've, they've lost a lot of those, you know, what would have been extra points. And I think if those two players had stayed fit, I think there would have been, I don't know, you can never say for certain, but let's let's say an extra one, two clean sheets for each of those teams. And I don't think we'd be so much having this conversation because I think most people would be quite happy if there was another, say, 12 points on top of the players. They've got maybe a couple of extra bonus points thrown in there. So therefore, I think we'd be sat there going, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're okay. You know, if, you, if you're pushing Alexander-Arnold up another, say, 12 points, that takes him on to 52 points, which puts him very close to Salah, you know, and, and that's that's just not, that out of far out of the realms of possibility if Alisson had been in goal. And the same with if Laporte had still been there for City. I think you're right, Nick. I think that um, the Liverpool defence is is still going to be the one that has the most clean sheets come the end of the season. So I'm I'm looking this week to to switch around a little bit. And I think what the way I'm gonna go is I'm gonna go Alexander Arnold and Robertson, I haven't got him at the minute. I think I'll eventually, over the next couple of weeks, I'll look to upgrade Van Dyke to Robertson and just keep those two for the whole season and go on the fact that they are so, as a pairing, they're so attacking for, for Liverpool. I'd like to get Otamendi in, but again, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's time now, I think, to move that money. I've still got Wickham in my team and, and I want to upgrade that to, to Wilson this week. So therefore, I think Dini has to go to, to fund that. And so I'm, I'm just going to be looking at having my two Liverpool assets as two solid ones because I think they are going to keep the most clean sheets and just have to go without the the City ones. I, I think Motamendi is a great pick for his price. 
but I don't just don't rate him. You know, I, I watched the City game against Wolves and I, I expected that to be one where Wolves didn't really have a sniff. But yes, they got two great counter-attacking goals from Torori. I mean, they were, they were absolutely superb goals. But there was also chances that they had, you know, that, that they could have scored that were just down to defensive errors. So I just don't think City look particularly comfortable at the back. And I think that 2-0 defeat will have knocked their confidence a little bit from that point of view. So probably foolishly, I may be staying off the City defence for now. But I I think my goal will be to look at the likes of Soyuncu and maybe Lundstrom and then another cheaper player to rotate round to to just sit there with my two Liverpool assets. And with Alisson coming back, meant to be back after the international break, I think that that will be a big boost for them. And, and yeah, just, just ride it out on the fact that, you know, those Alexander-Arnold and Robinson are going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Yeah, no, that certainly makes sense. I, I do regret selling uh, Robertson actually on my wild card. Um, it obviously did enable a few things like uh, Son in, but obviously yeah. that's uh, not gone particularly well. It seemed like a worth, worthwhile gamble at the time with two very nice games. But yeah, for bad luck with Serge Aurier being sent off and uh, yeah, all round uh, all round incompetence uh, versus Brighton. Yeah, that's uh, it's not it's not been great, has it? Really, <laughs> it's another little boy run, running into the room there, Alex Stinger. <laughs> It is his bedroom, to be fair. So, don't worry, you've you've just made it onto the podcast. (laughs) Devotion to the FPL caused that, recording from a child's bedroom in uh, somewhere in New Zealand on holiday. Wow, amazing. He's a big big football fan, so uh, we've got got to give him credit for that. He totally forgot that I was in here. That's right, no worries. Uh, I I guess all I wanted to say really was, yeah, I mean, it has been a bit of a shame. Uh, I did sell Robertson, I did um, buy Son and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, Otamendi, just to talk about him very very quickly he's an absolutely terrible footballer isn't he let's face it like whenever it's a one-on-one situation you know exactly what he's going to do like everyone knows what he's going to do he's going to lunge in he's going to commit himself and as we saw and he completely lunged at uh, Jimenez who you absolutely did him frankly and um, for that first city goal like it's one of those things that when you were watching it like you, you knew it was coming like you actually knew it when he was uh, isolated in that position terrible footballer but a great FPL asset because he was on nine points at, at that moment and you've got to just hope that the ridiculous possession stats mean that some clubs basically can't get shot away uh, but since you do have a nasty habit of conceding that one goal unfortunately um, but yeah I think in general there a really interesting discussion and I guess you know, to, to sum up I mean there's been a campaign of hate against the season so far um, and I think Alex is right really that patience uh, still although that sounds really unglamorous doesn't it and um, it's probably the, the way to look at it because like at the end of the day like if you look at your players objectively without looking at kind of the last couple of weeks like, most people have got really good teams it's just not really happened for for the reasons we've discussed and uh, equally we're eight game weeks in like over time i think it's reasonable to assume that obviously there'll be a few sort of mid-range players who break through like the talisman but I think it's reasonable to assume that unless they have an Anis Horriblis like you know, Hazards have had in the past under Mourinho or Rooney did when he went that whole year without scoring, that the premiums are going to come roaring back. And indeed, they are still doing okay. I don't forget they are the top five this year for points scored. It definitely won't be like this forever. And I think hopefully over the next few weeks, we'll, we'll see things. I mean, it is gambler's fallacy to say it will even out. But I think we will see a revival in the premiums. And I, 
I'm not too sure. Uh, we'll have a few questions about it later on in terms of Mo Salah, but uh, however that's going to look, we'll, we'll have to see. But yeah, I, I can't see it being this way forever. I know it's been a very, very difficult few weeks for a lot of people. And I just hope that after international break, we'll awaken with a snarl and uh, be able to get back into it with uh, some high scores and some massive green arrows. Okay, let's take a break there and we'll move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? we're back and it's time to uh, talk about the features this is our weekly staple of things we speak about which are the market forces the over 30s nick pick versus the tom pick the zombies maybe the last time for a little while and dab watch uh, the first thing this week is market forces this is where we look over the movers and shakers in the fpl economy and figure out why that may possibly be uh, nick man cross numbers what is going on so um, I looked first at the uh, the most transferred in player, and that's Sadio Mane this week. Um, he's had 195,000 transfers in at the time of the recording. And um, actually, uh, conversely, Mo Salah's had 187,000 transfer outs. So it looks like a lot of people are um, playing the old red roulette that we like to call it. Of course, this always seems to happen. Whenever Mane scores a brace or gets a goal and assist in Salah blanks, we always see um, people sell Salah and buy Mane. And, it, and it's always the other way around us. It'll be Salah um, that, that returns next. But I've actually, um, I have actually partaked in the red roulette this week for a very rare change. I'm always uh, critical of people who get involved in the red <laughs> and they don't do it. Hypocrisy, stick, hypocrisy. Stick to your, player, stick to your man. But uh, this week, uh, it's wildcard time. And uh, I thought, you know what, I've always been the man who owns most Salah. Maybe it's time to give man a, a go. And uh, you know what, he's... Um, He's about a million pounds cheaper, but I, I thought about, you know, Mane and Salah briefly. And obviously, like, Salah's always been the one when I've looked at the numbers and thought, actually, Salah's the one with more goal attempts, more chances. He seems like the the better player. And we know that he, he smashed it the other season with the 30-goal haul that we kind of expect him to do it again and again. And to be honest, I think, like, in the last six months or so, I feel like Mane has been the better player. And I, despite the numbers, I tried to find some stats to sort of back up my thinking a little bit. And one of... One I um, sort of fingered on was um, shot accuracy. So last season, over the course of the season, Mane had the better shot accuracy with 48.3% against Salah's 46%. And this season, again, Mane's on 52.6% versus Salah's 42.3%. So maybe Mane is just the better shooter of the two, even if Salah's generating the more chances, getting the more penalty box touches. Perhaps Mane's the one that can get the more goals and he had more minutes, um, he had more goals per minute last season as well. So... Sadio Mane, that's why I'm bringing him in anyway. What do you guys think? No, Tom, you've got Firmino, haven't you? Yeah, I do. I'm sticking. I'm going to. St- I don't know actually. I will come to it in the transfers and captains later. I've got no idea what I'm doing, and it could well be that Firmino is a sacrificial lamb. But I quite fancy him in these uh, in the next two games against United and Spurs. Uh, he's got good record in the top six. But yeah, absolutely understand with Sadio Mane. He was my Player of the Year in FPL since last year. And yeah, if you watch them, I, I don't know what it is like with Salah because he's got no power whatsoever. You've got to rely on those little dink finishes sort of going in, don't you? And those really rely on confidence for the placement to work. And it just looks like recently with those good articles in the Athletic, as, as Alex mentioned earlier, which showed that you know Salah was basically playing as a, as a number nine this week and was creating more chances and completing dribbles and making space for others in some ways with Mane and Firmino and three roles behind him. Like, yeah, you can see why Mane looks like the main threat for them in some ways now. Maybe it's to do with, you know, when Gareth Bale, that first season when he broke through or Harry Kane when he broke through, like suddenly he had two men on him the whole time and it allows other people to flourish, I suppose, in some ways. And maybe that's what we're seeing with Salah. But yeah, no, I, I can understand that, even though maybe we're not too sure about the uh, the red roulette. 
Um, Alex, what do you think about uh, the, the people who are swapping between Mane and Salah or maybe even going elsewhere just to kind of wedge in the transfers here a little bit? Um, a lot of people are buying in, uh, in midfield. Mason Mount, um, who you mentioned earlier, actually, uh, over uh, 100,000 managers have bought in Mason Mount this week, uh, who obviously scored against uh, Southampton. And James Madison uh, being brought in by um, nearly 100,000 managers too. So yeah, a lot of midfield choice, Alex. But can you understand people selling off Salah, I guess? I can. I, I sold Salah on my wild card in game week three and moved to, to Mane and then moved on from Mane to Sun uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, with the view that with Liverpool's fixtures over the next four, Man United away, Tottenham home, Villa away and then Man City home, I wasn't, wasn't going to captain. I was happy to try my luck on, uh, on Sun, um, which obviously after this week looks like not a great move. And obviously now with how poor Man United and Tottenham are looking, uh, again, it, it doesn't look like a, a particularly good move. And I think holding Sadio Mane, it might have been the way to go. But I've, I've made my bed, so I'm going to sleep in it now. And I'm going to stick without uh, until game week 13 and then look to move. Like I said, I'm going to have, by then I'll definitely have Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. And I will look to have either Salah or Mane as, uh, in as well um, to, to sort of pick on, go go back to the triple up for, for that nice run of fixtures for, uh, for Liverpool. Um can I see the logic of moving down to Mane? I absolutely can. I, I, having watched Salah, there's and I think Tom, you just made you just made a really really good point that I'd never considered before, just regarding the way that that Salah does finish um, and that uh, he does sort of look to to be quite um, delicate with his finishing. And, and if you if, if your confidence isn't quite there or your your style of play is changing slightly, maybe that's why his points have dropped off a little bit. Um, would I say that someone keeping Salah or bringing Salah in was a mistake? Maybe bringing them in right now is, is you're just a little bit of a hold to, to see how he goes over the next week or so. But certainly people that are saying they're holding Salah, I, I could never say that that was a wrong decision. I haven't seen enough that would concern me. He's still going to get goals and, uh, and so on. But it's difficult now, is, unless you're in Nick's position of wildcarding, when you bear in mind that you're getting closer and closer to that nice fixture run, you've only got you know three or four more games now, whereas you know where and when I moved off, say, two weeks ago, I was banking on five or six weeks where I wasn't going to captain him and was going to go elsewhere. So there was a little bit more logic. As you get closer and closer, that's two transfers you've got to use, assuming you're bringing one of them back in again. And it suddenly becomes a little bit more difficult to, to justify. But it also, with you look at the form, you know, do, does it make sense to make the sideways movement to Mane? So, to be honest, I'm, I'm just not sure there. I, th- I think if I had Salah right now, assuming he's fit next week, um, I would potentially hold for one more week and see what happens against Man United with a view to making a decision on whether to move to Mane after that. If you've got the use for that money, that million, I would be, wouldn't have any problems with people moving immediately. Very good answer, Alex. We just answer Yujan's question from later on in the uh, oh. in the question section as well, very comprehensively. So I think we'll we'll skip that. But Yujan, I hope that's a good answer for you on the Mo Salah. Is it time to get rid of him? So I completely agree with that. By the way, I got rid of Salah, and I'm hoping until game week 13 when that ridiculous run of fixtures. I think they've got yeah, they play no one top six until uh, game week 22 after game week 13. So it's almost also captain territory for Mo Salah or Sadio Mane, isn't it really? But anyway, moving forward, the market forces that there's a lot of stuff that's going. Going on elsewhere, um, the strikers also seeing a bit of a switcheroo. Um, Abraham has been bought by 1.2 million, and uh, Timu Puki has been sold uh, 2.2 million 
uh, sorry, no, uh, Tammy Rehan's been bought by uh, 125,000, and uh, Timmy Pukki has been sold to compensate. So uh, 220,000 people have sold uh, Pukki. And uh, elsewhere, Nick, as well, I'm sure you want to comment on this, uh, this week, there's been uh, not, almost 100,000 sales of uh, a certain Kevin De Bruyne, who's uh, likely to be fit and ready to go for Man City uh, after this national break. Yeah, um, definitely. I think I'm kind of hoping that more people sell him. So keep selling him if you own KDB because I'm hoping for a, a little bit of a cheeky price fall from him in order to enable to um, gain back in for my sort of as perfect as, perfect as possible wildcard team. I'm currently 0.2 million off affording him right now. But um, there's a couple of other switches that I can do to, to get that 0.2 million if necessary. One of them actually... Um, um, involves another market forces member and that's Hugo Lloris um, who's had 92,000 transfers out obviously because he had a bit of an awful injury in, in that absolute shambles of game against Brighton which might mean that if worse comes to worse in order to, to afford KDB my goalkeeper who's currently Matt Ryan at 4.6 might end up being uh, Paolo Gazaniga from Spurs um, who's Lloris's replacement so that might be my Spurs pick to, to answer your question earlier Alex um, if anyone in my team I might end up with Gazaniga in goal and <laughs> <laughs> they might be able to actually keep a clean sheet against a team who's even worse than Spurs right now, which is Watford. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a tricky one there with um, obviously Larice falling, uh, KDB continuing to fall, but hopefully I can buy back KDB um, a little bit cheaper um, if he does actually drop in price, which he hasn't yet. Cool, makes sense. And I think that the, just to round that off, the striker swap from Puki to uh, Abraham, yeah, I think this may be the week. We'll talk about it later in the questions about Puki, but it may be the week where we'll see the Puki party being pooped a little bit. Right, let's move on to the over 30s. And this is the team that Nick and I put together uh, for this year. Um, both hit the, uh, the the 30 milestone, and we just want to make sure that those over 30s can still uh, do a job. Um, we're pretty sure we can. Alex, I'm pretty sure you're over 30, aren't you? Uh, uh, mate, I'm I'm 40. Do you know? Funnily enough, I was just literally looking. I was thinking, being a 40 year old, we've got to look a bit older here. Did you know <laughs> Stanley Matthews was still playing for Stoke when he was 50? Yeah, there you yeah. Go. Fact, he, fact he, of the day, I didn't know that. He retired, and then after he retired, he said, "I wish I could have stayed for another year." Uh, oh. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, we need to add Bruno Salter in the uh, in the set up over 40s for next. Exactly. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, that was it. Ibrahimovic scored his 30th goal in the season at the age of 38 as well in the MLS, so there you go. Uh, but on to this, uh, the, the Premier League's current crop of uh, elderly heroes. Uh, this week, unfortunately, it was just 28 points for the over-30s as that uh, Vardy, Aguero, Aubameyang front line that normally carries them did absolutely jack all. <laughs> Aubameyang, uh, the captain, got four and obviously uh, Kun and uh, Vardy blanked. In midfield, Mark Noble, Siggy and David Silva all did nothing. Uh, Willian though uh, got eight points got an assist and all three bonus for Chelsea uh, Chris Basham the unlikely hero of Sheffield United he got six points but it's a bit of a, an absolute terrible state of affairs at the back really with uh, Seamus Coleman sent off for a minus two while Matt Lowton was sitting on the bench with a six pointer on the other side of it Otamendi of course giving it away and Hugo Lloris our goalkeeper um, let a goal in and then promptly got himself injured be better soon Hugo um, but yeah for the purposes of our uh, over 30 team not very good yeah 28 points a massive red arrow and uh, yeah I'm quite glad that my unspecified family member forgot to look at the team really this week and I'm hoping we can up the bracket 
of those two free transfers going forward. The next thing is Nick pick the rest of the time. This is the feature each week where we pick a player uh, which reflects our personality to some extent. Uh, Nick, although he, is, he has sold uh, Mo Salah now, so maybe he's not as conservative as he used to be. Maybe more of a Chukka and Moon sort of character moving between parties. But uh, yeah, the Nick pick uh, and uh, versus the Tom pick and uh, my mad scientist sort of pick. And uh, last week, Nick, you chose uh, John McGinn, who unfortunately I don't think was involved. He got two points. Yeah, he wasn't involved at all in any goal in that uh, 5-1 demolition of, uh, of Norwich, was he? Uh, and my pick was Josh King, who wasn't involved as Arsenal heroically won 1-0 against the Giants of Bournemouth. So Nick, who's your Nick pick this week? Did you say your pick last week was Josh King? Yep. So yeah, I've actually um, I've actually gone for the man who would be king um, this week, Tom. Um, I've, I thought about it and I thought actually after that sort of John McGinn pick didn't work out. Uh, but Norwich was so um, horrendous defensively that it's, it's time to start targeting teams. And I feel like Norwich is the team that you want to target this year. I mean, defensively, um, they looked all over the place. I can see a good solid English centre forward like Josh King um, capitalising on that uh, this, this game week. So um, additional stats on, on Norwich. They've conceded 21 goals now, which is more than any other team, including Watford, who um, conceded eight in one game. They've conceded more shots, more shots on target, and also have lost more tackles than any other team as well, and already in triple figures. They've also conceded more headed goal attempts than any other team with 33, which is nine more than any other side. So you can um, easily see um, the likes of Josh King maybe bang one in from a corner, perhaps. So maybe Nathan Ake should have actually been my pick, but yeah. Interesting, interesting. No, uh, uh, my only issue with Josh King is he's been playing the wing at the moment, but um, you know, I, I can buy that. I know that John T from FFS bought him, so there you go. Tom Pitt this week is uh, Raul Jimenez, uh, down to 7.1 now. Scarcely believable, the value hero of last year. Um, obviously got two assists this weekend against Man City, um, but had the procession of blanks before that. Not playing for Mexico in 2019, the rest of 2019, he's uh, not going to be called up, so he's going to have plenty of rest ahead of the Southampton game in game week nine. And Wolves' fixtures really turned, so up until game week 16, they only play one team of the top six last year who are Arsenal away. That's a Wolves victory, isn't it? Jimenez, I think, is uh, one of those players who's been uh, overlooked for all sorts of reasons, the UEL and whatever, whatever. But yeah, 8.5% owned. Um, I really fancy Jimenez this week and I'm considering buying him. I'm not sure whether I will. I think that there's other players in the uh, in the queue ahead of him like Callum Wilson who I'll wax lyrical about it in not very long. But I think that Jimenez is, is probably a player who fits the parameters of my, of my pick this week and may well become a mainstream one again uh, very, very soon. Next one's the Zombies. And this is our no chips, no changes, no transfers uh, league. And uh, I think this will probably be the last time for a little while we'll give an update kind of every two or three weeks on the zombies but I don't think we're going to do it every week just because obviously things don't change very much and give us more time for listening questions of course thanks once more to uh, Eric Amundsen uh, who uh has fulfilled his sheriff duties yet again and sent me a whole list of people who have been cheating that I'll remove and yet again looks like uh, it's characters whose uh, zombie teams are in the top 100k who've decided to come back to life and take over their zombie teams uh, so watch out for new entrants in your mini leagues if you uh, do see any suspicious new people coming in with, with a team out of nowhere cool right uh, so Nick how did you do this week with your zombies have they been doing well uh, they, no, they haven't been doing particularly well, to be honest. Uh, it's very much death at the stairs for the zombies. They're all sort of collapsing down there. I think uh, Matt Ryan got them seven points, um, and Madison also got some points when he got seven. But in total, it was, it was 31 points for them. They're sort of ranked in terms of overall rank about the median point, which I guess is okay, all things considered, when, the, when you think about the fact there's 6.8 million players out there. But, um, yeah, you know, they're kind of just trundling along um, this season. Uh, KDB was benched, so they had um, 
they had uh, Greenwood come off the bench for his uh, standard one pointer. So yeah, not too not too good for the zombies. Yep, similar sort of story here. Thirty-two points, and it's, there's a lot of flags going on at the moment, which is really hurting them. So they they've got Laporte, they've got Kevin De Bruyne, they've got Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So all three of them were subbed off this week, and subbed in were uh, Lise Mousset at, uh, uh, at Sheffield United for one point, uh, Kurt Zuma obviously for two points, and uh, Den Donka for three. So yeah, not particularly great. First two points, most Salah captain with a blank, and in the zombie league, there's been a lot of movement at the top, and currently at the top, a zombie bull, uh, Snedus. Agnars Dottir, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, 58 points this week. Captain Mane for the season, which is pretty damn decent. Has a Jose Perez and Oli Norwood uh, coming in, uh, which is quite interesting. And uh, yeah, Patrick Van Anholt as well, who got the nine points off scoring the penalty this week. In second, it's 38 games later, uh, Robert Williams, 489. In third, it's Seaman, 38, uh, FPL JR. Fourth, it's Devin Fenix. And fifth, it's uh, Anthony Thomas with ballers. And uh, yeah, Many people, I think, this week hurt by the fact that Mo Salah blanked. And the final thing this week is uh, is Dad Watch, Nick. Uh, take it away. How's he been doing? It was okay for my dad this this game week. He, he picked up 40 points, quite similar score to me. He actually had a really good Saturday. He was uh, particularly thrilled with his uh, Lewis Dunk 10-pointer against Spurs, uh, getting quite <laughs> a chunk of his overall points, uh, quite surprisingly. But um, otherwise... Um, most of his team unfortunately blanked. It was just Sadio Mane that also did the business for him uh, with a 12-pointer. So still doing quite well. Not quite the um, the housing days of the 3.3k rank he had in game week two, but he's up there in terms of 290k at the moment. So uh, still beating me. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm catching up. I'm not too far behind. So uh, uh, we've got a bit of a head-to-head going on now as well. So uh, let's see who uh, finishes up top at the uh, end of the season. So a bit of fighting talk there. No, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And I, I heard he uh, got very emotional when Lewis Dunk got that yellow card, Nick. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of um, swearing in front of uh, younger members of the family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Well, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he goes on after the international break. I hope he hasn't made any early transfers and broken the Austin rule yet again. Cool, let's move on to the questions after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the Who Got The Assist Mini League. And if you want to join the league, the league code is EIKX03. So for a rare change, you're actually able to do a proper update on the league because um, the league, there's no football on the Monday nights. We've had plenty of time to to prepare and the league tables properly um, calculated. But um, yeah, I thought um, we'd actually do a top 11 um, this game week because um, it's a quick shout out to our good friend of the pod, FPL Chef. Um, who unfortunately got hacked very recently and um, was doing particularly well and his team got destroyed, but he's been absolutely smashing it with the uh, the new zombie team that he's taken over as well. And he's currently 11th in our, the overall rank 3K. So um, very well done, uh, Chef, who's um, having a great season, was having a great season as well with his other team as well. So he's um, he's in 11th with 512 points. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty tight at the top, actually, Tom, in terms of the overall league. In, um, in 10th, we've got... Uh, Gaten De Becker with the Reds Army on 517 points. In ninth, you've got Saeed Oladumregi um, with the Future Kante 222 team. Um, he's on 518 points and one ahead of Gaitan. He's got 63 points this game week, which is very good score for this particular game week. Uh, sort of key men being sort of a 
triple Crystal Palace threat of Martin Kelly, Patrick Van Anhalt and Jordan Ayew uh, getting the points. What? Differential uh, so set up there. They're doing very well this season. Um, so in, in seventh, we've got Evan Guest with the LA Riots, 520 points. Uh, joint seventh, actually, with David Strong, who's also on 520 points. In um, in sixth, you've got uh, Tal Khan, uh, Tukal, 522 points. Alongside Declan Rin, who's also on 522 points with uh, the Wesley Crushers. I bet he's got our man uh, Wesley up front, hasn't he? Uh, 14 points this year. Uh, yeah, he does, yeah. yeah. Clearly a Villa fan with the uh, double setup of McGinn and Wesley doing very well for him. In terms of fourth, we've got uh, Sydney Sydney still up there. Had a brilliant season so far this season with Mirrors, uh, 524 points. Anas Kaladi um, in third with 525. Alec Wenhold. In second with 526, and just at the top is Christopher Marshall with his Izzy Wizzy Get One Busy uh, team. Got 531 points, overall rank 363rd overall, which is absolutely fantastic. Only 38 points this week, but he's um, he's got a sort of an interesting team of sort of Aguero, Bamiang, and Callum Wilson, who um, that sort of triple threat of um, attackers, um, perhaps differential attackers to a certain extent, has been doing very well for him this season. Yeah, well done to everybody. And also just to give a quick shout out to our friend uh, Ed's uh, FPL Rhinos, who we met actually at the uh, Christmas meetup. He's in 19th at the moment and has that front line. That's what kind of made me remember to give him a shout out because he's also got Aubameyang, Wilson and Aguero and someone on all sorts of picks as well. So class snatch at the back with seven points this week. Serious hero for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, still only 39 points. But yeah, Ed's doing very, very well this year as well. He's currently ranked in the top 5K. Cool. All right, let's move on to the questions then. And the first thing is uh, the catch up quandary that's quite an interesting one isn't it this is about kind of looking at our mini leagues and thinking oh god how am I ever going to get into the points so people looking at Nick at the moment and thinking oh how are we going to beat him how are we going to get anywhere near him especially because he's on his wild cards but yeah Andreas Xenofontos asks how many points ahead at this moment is impossible to catch up with for those in the mini league at the moment despairing about catching up with people when would we say it's time to give up the ghost at this point? Alex, what do you reckon to that? I'm sure, I'm sure you're in that position at the moment in several of your leagues that you're kind of looking at the leaders, looking at those above you and thinking, how can I make some ground here? Absolutely. And it's a blooming dull answer, I'm afraid, Tom, but um, patience is key. You know, it's kind of hard to say depending on what chips and things they've got remaining or, and you've got remaining. But I, I would say that if you've been playing a while and you've, you know, you've had success in the past, like just just be patient with your picks and the 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 reason I say that is that I'm not guaranteeing that that's going to allow you to catch up but the thing that always grinds me more than anything as a as a FPL player is when I've gone I've tried to be clever gone against how I play the game and yeah it may it may work but more often than not for me it doesn't work so therefore I just feel annoyed at myself that I went and tried something different whereas I've been playing a long time and I just stick to what you know, the, the, the way that I would play it. And I don't really focus on mini leagues anytime soon. I just think so much can change. You know, if you, if you, you know, we, we were talking earlier in the pod about how this week there might be, people might be looking at say Callum Wilson, for example, as, as a captain, but if Callum Wilson goes and gets a hat trick and Salah and Mane and Sterling get maybe not quite such high scores um, with, with, you know, maybe trickier games, as we discussed earlier, the defenses are, are actually, and they're playing away from home. Um, are, are a little bit trickier that's going to jump you up 20 points for example and all of a sudden what looks massive this week looks slightly smaller next week and then you've only got to do that two or three times now through the remainder of the season and you've caught up 7500 points so there's a long long way to go you know I think you've just got to keep 
plodding away you know it's it is that uh, old analogy of it being a marathon not a sprint yeah i agree completely with you there alex i think especially at this stage i think there's plenty of time to to catch up with guys who are at the top of your mini leagues and i, w- I wouldn't worry about it at all i mean we're only on game week eight we've got another 30 game weeks to go and there's plenty of time for those decisions that perhaps haven't gone your way um at the beginning of the season um to to go your way later on in the season i mean just looking at the mini leagues i know you sort of uh, bemoaned your rank a little bit earlier alex but you're actually only 19 points behind me which is not really much <laughs> at all so you could easily catch that and as you said one one decent captain pick would be enough to you know absolutely um catch up definitely if your captain gets hat trick and mine blanks that's that's the difference um in one game week and you know we look at sort of our who got the assist uh, team mini league jeremy lewis who's the top he's only 30 points ahead of you and he's um sort of overall rank um in sort of 200k so you know you, you could uh you could see a huge green arrow if one of your differentials fires definitely so uh I, I certainly wouldn't worry and you know you, we see it quite often at this stage of the season huge green arrows just from one player just delivering especially if it's a player that's not highly owned so very much um, early days at this sort of time of the season in terms of overall rank yeah I think so I mean you do get the occasional sort of narcissist like guy at the love sport Nick he keeps sort of ramming it down our throats that he's way ahead of us in that uh, in that league but I think over time you will see that you know all the things that went their way initially are going to go your way at some point and again that sounds like gambler's fallacy but uh, kind of as Alex said earlier on if you keep playing your game you're not making dumb decisions you're if you're listening to this I'm sure making very reasoned decisions based on stats or based on the eye test or a combination of both ideally and I wouldn't worry too much i mean some people may be 100 points ahead but equally they may have spaffed their chips already or something like that so that gives you an advantage when you use yours uh, obviously some of the wild cards haven't quite landed as we'd have liked but equally I, i'm not too i wouldn't be too worried at this point no, maybe if someone is 100 or so points ahead then, then maybe you you may kind of be thinking oh that's a, that's a bit of a mountain to climb but equally i wouldn't be kind of thinking it's, it's all over it's just one of those things that, you, know, you just gotta keep tracking on like the season's very very long as i said it's a marathon not a Sprint, as, as we all say at some point during the course of the season and I think it's just a case of sticking with that and just uh, uh, not getting overly worried about your mini league this stage it's, it's probably not the case to, it's, it's not the time to be kind of resigning uh, you, you all have to stick it out at the course of the season just, just stick to what you're doing I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to pick it you'll be able to catch up I, I still hold out hope for example I'll be able to catch up Nick in our uh, cash mini league but uh, who knows a hefty 19 point gap and uh, he's got a wild card at the moment so he's looking very smug over there <laughs> right uh, let's move on to the uh, the next question um it's the pookie party is it pooped uh, so sumit Bujani asks is it time to exit the pookie party and obviously we've seen three blanks in a row from the uh, the finnish early season sensation and many of us are now look, looking at pookie and thinking well you know you've got likes of wills and you've got likes of vardy oh i don't know whether i want to be removing any of my other strikers so maybe it's well it's a pookie who goes um this question's been bubbling for a few weeks but i think after the villa game there's been quite a few people who have literally said i've seen enough and i'm kind of amongst those at the moment but let's see if you guys can change my mind uh nick what do you reckon to pookie is in your wild card no i've actually got rid of pookie um so i've only actually got um one return from him in the five game weeks i've owned him he's been a little bit disappointing in terms of what he's done for me and i think there are other um, attacking assets that are definitely worth um, more attention um you know obviously the likes of tammy abraham but also we've talked about wilson and um you know some of the premium options as well like Aubameyang, who's uh, currently my wild card uh so yeah pookie's gone for me i've still got um tom um 
Todd Cantwell in my team as well. So I've still got one Norwich player and just having a double um, double Norwich attack just every game, it just was not working out at all. And we saw against Villa, we hoped that it would be like, you know, a game where the, the dynamism of the Norwich attack would, would pay off and we see some returns, but it was actually the opposite and they got absolutely trashed by Villa, um, which is a little bit concerning. And I think, um, I don't think I can continue on, especially on my wild card, continuing to have two Norwich attackers in my team. They're just... Um, they're just not performing well enough for that. So unfortunately for me, uh, the party is over. It was a very brief party for me. Um, I was a bit late to it. So, but so I've, um, I've left the party, but it might mean that the party's back on. I don't know. What about yourself, Alex? Um, what are your thoughts on Pookie? Yeah, I think you've summed it up quite well. I mean, I'm, I've got a Wickham spot at the minute, which um, which needs addressing before Pookie can go anywhere. So Pookie's probably going to get Bournemouth for me, but um, I am certainly losing patience. I did watch the the, the game last week, and Blumenek, it was Cantwell knocked a ball across, and you know it was a a big toe away from Pookie stabbing it in, and you know a Cantwell assist and a Pookie goal last week you know against Villa and you know maybe we would have a little bit more patience with things so um, I think Norwich have been a bit unlucky with injuries and, and it's just not quite clicking for them like it was at the start of the season so yeah he's, he's got Bournemouth but I have to say uh, I think Tom you mentioned earlier the um, you mentioned Jimenez and I'm, I'm kind of they're very similar in price now so I'm I'm kind of eyeing up a little bit of a switch from Pookie to, to Jimenez to sort of go with a Abraham Jimenez, Callum Wilson front three as, as, a, as, a, as a little bit of an idea over the next couple of weeks. So it's kind of one of those ones. I, there's, I don't think there's any problem holding him for Bournemouth away, but if you've got the ability to, you know, no other fires to put out or you're on wild card, I think it's, it's, it would be fine to jump ship now. They just, they're certainly Norwich can't, aren't pulling up trees. And it was a nice idea to go with the, the Norwich double up in, in attack, as you mentioned, Nick, but I think we've got to face facts that maybe we, one is, is more than enough now. Yeah, I think I think that's probably about right. Like I said for a long time, the story with Pookie is always going to be about when we sell this guy. And I think he will be this year's Richarlison, you know, Wilson, Ryan Fraser from last year, and that he'll pop up every now and again with a high dead team ownership. So there's going to be so many people, you know, like Phil in accounting who you know bought him in in game week uh, game week three after his uh, hat trick, and then has now gotten bored of FPL, but still will have Pookie in his team. Uh, so dead teams are like going to occasionally push up the league when Pookie does anything and to be honest you know, on paper uh, Pookie's still fantastic value for money 6.7 most people got him in at uh, some visionaries got him in at 6.5 most of us got him in about 6.7 and his XGI is very very high for Norwich so whenever Norwich score I think you've got a very good chance that Pookie's going to be involved with that and they are throwing everything forward that's basically what they're doing they're trying to outscore the opponent aren't they <laughs> And they're not quite Fulham. I mean, I know that I've made a few jokes and used the Spider-Man gif on Twitter, you know, when they're both pointing at each other uh, about Fulham and Norwich. But they're not quite Fulham in that, you know, they're a team that is familiar with each other and it's a team that is going to get goals over the course of the year. Obviously, defensively, though, they are probably very, very Fulham-like and there's absolutely no coherence there and it's just shocking defending at times, isn't it? Which is making me think this week, Pookie for Wilson does look like something I want to do just because Wilson, I think, will be a captaincy pick for me and and, you know, I, I, I'm really enamoured with that idea. Like Wilson, for example, has the second most big chances of any player um, in the FPL so far, just behind Aguero. So, I mean, that guy, if if he gets that hat trick against Norwich at home, like 
that could be a fantastic little differential captain. He's surely bound to, uh, again, sounds like Gambler's fantasy, but surely bound to explode soon after just returning drip fee week after week. I think this week was the first week he didn't return, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, actually, speaking of Wilson, that's a nice segue into the next question, which is uh, uh, Vardy versus Wilson. So FPL Prince asked us to run the rule over these two. And it is quite an interesting kind of dynamic, isn't it? Because Adam Hopcroft tweeted earlier on about these and kind of pointed out that on all measures, uh, Wilson absolutely wipes the floor with Jamie Vardy. But equally, that's not particularly surprising, is it? Because as we know from Vardy, he's a poacher, he's a scavenger, he's the kind of guy who doesn't really bother the stats uh, stats fanciers. He's more one of those players that, to the eye, as you know, the likes of FPL Orsmo found out a couple of weeks ago, doesn't need to be looking fantastic, but he can still get you a brace. Um, so yeah, quite a tough pick. So I think you know, 7.9 for Wilson now, 9 for Vardy. Um, it's one of those things where people may be looking at both of them and thinking, oh, you know, I can fit either of them if I'm selling, you know, a, a Kane or selling maybe even Aubameyang, probably wouldn't be doing that, but say you are. Who of these two are we uh, particularly excited by, guys? Uh, Alex, what do you reckon between those two? Yeah, I've, I just ran the, had a look at the the Fancy Football Hub comparison and, and they're quite quite similar in, in a lot of the stats that they've got. Um, I think... Simply, I would go, my personal opinion right now would be is I'd go Callum Wilson um, right now, I think at 1.1 million cheaper uh, and with Norwich home, Watford away. Um, I just feel that's a really nice couple of fixtures where I would, like you said earlier, Tom, I'd, I'd consider captaining. Vardy's got Burnley home and we, we just know that whilst Vardy can score against absolutely anyone, so I, w- I wouldn't have any problems with someone captaining um, against Burnley. I always just feel with them that Burnley have got that ability to keep anyone out on any game. And so therefore, it's a bit trickier to, to, to justify him for that week. Now, Southampton away next week is, is equally a, a very nice fixture. We just saw you know, Chelsea put f- uh, five, five past them. So um, he's got a, a real chance of getting a return there. But I, I personally feel that um, right now I'm, I'm going to jump on Wilson and then reevaluate in two weeks as to whether, you know, maybe, maybe Pookie gets upgraded to Vardy or, um, or, or, I, or whether I just stick with, you know, the sort of slightly lower level and, and look to, to keep uh, more money in midfield. But as you mentioned, FPL awesome did very well with a nice captaincy haul from Vardy last week against, um, against Newcastle. So, yeah, I think with Jamie Vardy, he's obviously a really good um, pick as an FPL asset. I think um, he, he, to me, he always strikes me as one of those players that performs better on the counter. You know, the likes of teams that play, you know, so open at the back, and he can he can exploit weaknesses in the defence. And when you look at Burnley, I wouldn't describe them as that sort of team. Burnley have been sort of very defensively solid under Dyche, and you know they'll certainly park the bus and be. You know, the likes of Tarkowski will be watching Vardy like a hawk. So I, I kind of look at the fiction. I see Callum Wilson against Norwich and, and, and Vardy against Burnley. And I think Wilson definitely stands out to me as the uh, the better pick um, out of the two. Obviously, you mentioned that Vardy has Southampton the following week. But Bournemouth play another team that look absolutely horrendous defensively the following week as well in, in, in Watford. So I think between the two, especially when you consider the... Um, a little bit of cash as well that you save if you do go for uh, Wilson over Vardy, which is about 1.1 million. That for me, I think um, Wilson does edge it between the two if I was to have if I had to pick one of the two. But I think Jamie Vardy still um, represents a really good um, pick and he, he can certainly um, he can certainly deliver whenever assets are blanking. Yeah, no, I get you. I, I think that actually 
like Madison's a very, very good option uh, for Leicester at the moment. I know it's a bit of a riker, but Leicester over the next three, you've got Burnley and Crystal Palace. And those are both teams, yeah, they've conceded more shots in the box than outside, but those are equally both teams that are going to curtail the space, uh, use the low block. And I think that that might mean that someone like Madison taking the long shots is going to be a, a better choice than Vardy. He may, be, may well be starved of the space that he kind of needs. Obviously, obviously it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one to, to really weigh up, but that, that Norwich game for Wilson is, is just so good, isn't it? That's such a big carrot for an initial kind of smash from your choice. And then you've got an away game against Watford, a home game against Man United, and an away game against Newcastle. Those are four fantastic fixtures for that guy. I, I find it very difficult to, to, to see past him at the moment. And like Madison, could be such a good choice as well as a kind of a Riker for Vardy but it doesn't seem worth paying the extra million as you said Nick you know we know from now for example that Leicester have a fantastic run up until game week 18 with any teams in the top six apart from Arsenal we don't, we don't really count anyway because that's a home game um, so I think it's um, yeah it's just plenty of time to get Vardy in the future but I think that it's going to be Wilson for me for now maybe Madison as well but not discounting Vardy I could end up bringing him in as well for Firmino and the final question is about wildcards beautifully set up for being adjacent to the transfers and captains section uh, but wildcard wanderings is the final question this week and it's from uh, Matt Duchak and uh, Brian L who ask who you should have if like Nick um, you're wildcarding right now and Nick this might be a good time to talk through your wildcard a little bit tell us what the logic is tell us what the thoughts are I know you've been uh, viciously defending it on our slack and things like that so uh, yeah how, how's it looking and uh, what, what are the big decisions you've made so yeah I mean most people in the slack actually like the team generally I think but I think I've actually been thinking about it after our discussions on the pod and I'm, I'm almost tempted to make some wholesale changes unfortunately and this mainly um, revolving around um, Callum Wilson but just to start at the back I've, I've just run through my team at the moment so at the moment I've got Matt Ryan um, and so uh, not Jensen Button I don't know what his first name is David <laughs> But uh, David Button is so I've got those guys in goal, but that might change as I said earlier in the pod because I'm a little bit short on KDB, so it could easily cut uh, Gazaniga instead of Ryan if, if, um, if funds dictate. Those are the two goalkeepers at the moment. I think Brighton generally been pretty defensively solid. I said they've got three clean sheets so far this season and got a few decent fixtures, so I think uh, Matt Ryan seems like good choice at the moment but that might change in in terms of the defense so yeah like I said I've actually disinvested quite a bit I've gone um pretty small at the back um really all things considered I've got TAA of course he's, he's gonna stay but as um alongside him I've got Soyuncu um Tamori from Chelsea who's um broken into a team and played very well so far he's, he's quite a good value as well and Chelsea have some great fixtures so put him in uh, but I've still also got Rico and um, and Martin Kelly sort of making up the numbers in defence so um, a couple of real, real cheapies on the bench at the moment in midfield I've got Mounts Sadio Mane Sterling KDB as I said will come in if he falls well, he will come in anyway but um, he's not in my current team because I'm waiting for the fall and I've still got Todd Cantor as well in my team making up the numbers and he's he's currently in the playing squad as well starting 11 which again perhaps is a little bit of concern he'd be a better player maybe to come on as a 12th man um, and then up front I've got Abraham I've got Mason Greenwood who could easily be Aaron Connolly from Brighton except Greenwood's 4.4 Connolly's 4.5 and instead I've got literally zero cash at the moment but if um, if I'm changing things up I might be able to afford Connolly and he seems to be a, a really good pick breaking into that Brighton team got a couple goals obviously against Spurs but could be a really decent pick 
at 4.5 million going forward. So someone that I definitely would like to fit in if I can. But yeah, the, the big player I've got at the moment who I've actually got the captaincy on right now is Aubameyang. I've gone for sort of like quite a strong premium setup in terms of four really expensive premium players, Mane, Sterling, KDB and Aubameyang. I feel like it could really bang for me. Plus with um, three affordable Chelsea players, a Leicester um, defender as well. I feel like, you know, it's a team of essentially players from the best sides. And I feel like that could be, you know, work really well for me in, in the long run. I mean, I'm just having a bit of a nerve about it because I'm starting to think, actually, if I get um, Wilson in instead of Aubameyang, even if it's for a couple of game weeks, that could work out. Could mean that I could sort Martin Kelly for Virgil van Dijk as well with the funds and, and keep a little bit more of a premium defence maybe play four at the back often and, you know, rotate with Campwell, you know, strengthening my bench and, and have Wilson for those fantastic fixtures against Norwich and, uh, and Watford. So that's where I'm at at the moment, kind of having a bit of a Wilson or Bamiyang debate in my head because obviously Wilson gives me some more money and he could really bang in the next few game weeks as well. But that's, that's my team at the moment. I like the sound of that. Um, so you're, you're still screwing the bench by the sounds of it and uh, you're pouring all that money into the premiums. Yeah, I, I know what you mean about, about uh, Wilson. It's just one of those things, isn't it, where you've got to measure long-term gain versus short-term gain uh, with the wild card, and uh, maybe Wilson would be the one that I'd be kind of thinking, yeah, that's missing a little bit. Maybe some Leicester attack as well to some extent, but I can see why you've made the choices you have. Um, like, are those the players you think are all pretty essential to answer Matt and Brian's question like is it all about those kind of four premiums that you mentioned like Aubameyang is particularly being a bit of a headliner introduction into your side yeah so I think so I think obviously you could uh, make a case again for Canaguero um, as another option that you should perhaps consider I mean Sterling like we said he's been doing okay but in terms of actual returns he's, he's in a bit of a poor form patch so you could perhaps make a case that you go for someone else I'd definitely say the likes of KDP is essential with Salah having a bit of a knock as well I'd probably back Mane over Salah in terms of the defenders I'd back TAA and I'd back the bargain picks of the likes of Tamori and Soyuncu and Mason Mount and Abraham of course I've, I've really backed those guys right now as well in terms of the form they're in and uh, Chelsea's fixtures so I, I, that's kind of the route I'm going with so Bamiyang I quite like as the Hail Mary pick bit of a differential and he, he's been doing really well this season as well you know he's got seven goals and assists so far last game week was the first time he blanked all season but it's also the same for um, for Cannon Wilson actually so um, Aubameyang's kind of my differential pick perhaps I mean he's not really a differential at 27.4% ownership but feels like he, he's the kind of player that could really give me a little bit of a boost if he does well and but yeah so the captain's armbands on him as well against Sheffield United but then he, you know after all sort of our conversations about Sheffield United being pretty solid and Norwich being pretty damn terrible defensively I'm starting to second guess myself a little bit on this I totally get your logic of going with Aubameyang I, I'm can't can't argue with it, but I would certainly I think be going with your option two of, of going with Callum Wilson for these next two, and maybe with a view of having a bit of a cash cow somewhere that you could upgrade Wilson to Aubameyang after those two fixtures. I just I don't I mean Liverpool are, are arguably the best attacking team in the league or second best maybe behind City, and all right on a different day maybe they scored another goal or so against United, but I just I just think United are going to really frustrate Aubameyang. Uh, and, and Arsenal, and that's not to say he can't score. Of course he can, but I just would back Wilson to do uh, to do better over these next two. I think because of that Sheffield United fixture, and like you said, that does allow for um, uh, a little bit more money elsewhere. You know, whether that be a, a Madison, and meaning you don't have to start Cantwell each week, um, because I just think that 
you know, maybe uh, as, as bench number one spot, I think Cantwell's a brilliant option. Um, but as a, as a starter every week, it, it could work, of course. You know, he could have had that assist last week and at 4.7 million, we'd, we'd take an assist or a goal every every two or three weeks quite happily. But is that, you know, if that's your starting player each week, is that going to get a little bit frustrating just seeing those points being quite small? The rest of your squad, by the way, I think sounds superb. You know, it's, it's very close to, I think, what I'd be doing on wildcard. I just think there are some some nice sort of under the radar, maybe a Pereira or a, um, something like that in you know sneaking in there at the back if you can get them in with a view to maybe upgrading to a to another Liverpool defender when when their fixtures become a little bit better I think is a would be a nice option just slightly out of the box there but yeah I, I think it sounds great it does sound very 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 good I'm quite scared of a mini league uh, sort of a point of view but yeah I guess if you want to see what Nicky did eventually uh, by the end of this week he'll be uh, posting it up on Twitter and I guess uh, to move on to transfers and captains obviously you know that Nick's on the on wildcard and Nick's obviously looking at captaining Aubameyang so I guess it's only fair that uh, Alex and I talk about what we're looking at this week uh, Alex uh, transfers and captains who are you looking to bring in and who are you looking to put the armband on well, I think uh, Armband, I'm not 100% certain at the minute. It's on Abraham at the minute. Um, I really wanted Sun. Sun was my pick, but I've just fears over um, Spurs' form and also when he's going to return. Although I did see something, was it possibly in our Slack channel, that maybe actually it's not as bad as we we initially thought. And, and he should probably be okay for that Watford game, um, all being you know injuries aside. Uh, so I think my transfers are looking something along the lines of... Dinia down to a cheapie. And I actually just spotted Chambers has started the last two. What do you reckon? Is that an option? It might be a nice wild card option. Bellerin's fit again. So Chambers has been playing on the right. Um, but I think he's probably seen Bellerin back, yeah. Ah, uh, that's a shame. That was a nice option. So Pol- yeah. Rob Holding, though, 4.5. He should oh, be yeah. starting against him. Okay, I like that. Okay, although I don't like the Arsenal defence that much, to be fair. So, but there's a few <laughs> options um, that, that I'm looking at. There maybe yeah, maybe Lowton at 4.5 actually can go for a, a double up option on the um, Burnley defence, and then it will be David Silver to Mason Mount. My rather failed experiment of going from Mount to David Silver. Um, it did. It, it worked out well for one of the three games, but the other uh, other weeks it hasn't particularly well, and that gives me the funds to do Wickham to Callum Wilson for a minus four. Uh, and, and sort of structure my team a little bit better with a view to getting a, a Liverpool attacker and a second defender in over the next four or five weeks, I think. And yeah, like I said, captain will probably be Abraham, Wilson or Son, depending on how things shape. How about you, Tom? Where are you, uh, where are you heading? Basically, depending on whether I want to sell Son or not, I know it's a bit, a bit dangerous, isn't it, to be selling Son ahead of Watford? Um, and I did have a look at the fixtures and uh, over the international break for him, and he's playing North Korea on Tuesday morning, not Wednesday morning, as I initially suspected. So um, I think there should be ample time for him to get back. And, you know, Spurs did look terrible. My initial kind of reaction to that Brighton game was, God, I need to sell him. But I've kind of pulled back a little bit. The key is that, like, Wilson, I know you can't stand me now talking about Wilson again, but, like, he is my number one target for that Norwich game. And if I by him I'm pretty damn sure I'm going to be captaining him um, it's just basically how I make that happen like one way of doing it is Son down to Madison and then uh, Pookie up to Wilson the other way of doing it is taking Firmino and uh, and Pookie out putting Wilson and maybe Vardy in and then removing Campwell for a Nakamba or a, you know another 4.4 like Dendonka or something like that I can just about afford that at the moment I saw that the other day and I wish I hadn't seen it because I, I think that, that looks really really good it's just going without the Liverpool comfort blanket at all is going to be quite a well, TAA I always forget that he exists because he's such a nailed on pick in my team but going without a Liverpool attacking asset at all is, is quite a 
it's still quite a scary prospect actually I felt like I went halfway house with Firmino and maybe it's just time to get rid but I really fancy him against United I think they did set up specifically to counter Leicester a little bit this week and I think that Firmino in those kind of top six games is going to be a good player to own a good little differential to own as well I think he's 14% owned or something like that so tough times I, I don't know I've got no interest in holding Son past this week so maybe I jump off early but it goes one of two ways doesn't it one way is it goes Mo Salah against Bournemouth and he gets a hat-trick against uh, Watford the other way is that um, he becomes a Mitrovic against Cardiff I remember I sold him last year um, a little bit earlier than most other people did and Mitrovic went, uh, went on and blanked so it might have been Cardiff or Huddersfield one of those two and I kind of felt kind of vindicated for selling him for somebody else so, so maybe I'll do that I, I just don't know whether I deem Son to be sellable at the moment so I'll be thinking about that kind of over the course of the next few few days but yeah Callum Wilson is the number one target I think that I'm, I'm not going to Riker like Bournemouth are a little bit like Arsenal light and that it's basically Wilson or bust isn't it so I think that if I buy him, I, I'll probably bring him in. I think I will captain him over Abraham just because I think that would be just, there's such a good chance to get a huge haul against Norwich, isn't there? But when I do it, of course, he's just going to get a four-pointer, isn't he? And King gets all the glory. Cool. All right. Uh, that's a lot for this week. Uh, just to say, of course, we are Who Got This List. So you can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL at WGTA underscore Nick. And listen and subscribe across the podding spectrum. Yep, and we were joined by Alex Spall um, at Alex Water Baby. If you want to follow him on Twitter, Alex, uh, thanks so much for joining us on this sunny morning in New Zealand. No worries, boys. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It's always uh, always good to chat, and no doubt we'll be back to the uh, the virtual chat of Slack over the next uh, the next months, years until my next appearance. Yep, excellent. And uh, yeah, if you want to join our league, the league code is EIKX03. There's um, a theme as well to every week, um, every pod. So last week um, with FPL Dare, the theme was Shrek. So well done to all who, um, who caught that. Yeah, well done. And uh, yeah, thanks, Alex, as well, from me for coming on. Been really, really good as always. We'll be back off international break, of course, uh, with, with our standard podcast. And we will be back during the international break as well in a special way. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. We're really looking forward to what we'll be up to uh, next Saturday. Uh, but yeah, uh, in the meantime, uh, we hope to see you and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.